He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. I think we learned a lot through that process. Like we yeah. were hustling to try and find owner information. We were buying lists. We were trying anything and everything to like send out mailers or to do postcards or paid ads on Facebook, whatever it was. And we, we did pick up a handful of properties around the country. Yeah. But what's really funny is like, as that went on, we ended up picking way more properties up in Washington as we focused on the rest of the country, which was a complete unintended consequence of it. Made no sense But I think me. it made no sense to me, but I think what it was is like, we were just, it helped us refine our message and our SEO got better. Like we were just learning a million things and, and applying sure. a million things all at one time. And now we've, I don't want to say we've contracted back to Washington, but what it's done is it's allowed us to maybe have a larger scope or larger vision for where we want the company to operate, but it's narrowed our focus in the types of properties that we're going after. So yeah. we're not necessarily geographically constrained. We're much more disciplined in the type of experience that we want to put out there, which kind of brings me to the point about the owners that we work with. I'm, I know you've had a million conversations on the show with different real estate investors and people who look at this industry in certain ways, as we all try to figure out what's going on in the short-term rental space where there's more supply, bookings are down. A lot of really great operators are struggling right now. There's going to be like, the bottom is going to fall out. People like this is going to have to reset yeah. at some point. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. All right, Nathan, welcome back to a minute with minute on Slick Talk. And we're going to jump into the question today of what is the biggest misunderstanding when it comes to what minute does and doesn't do? Great question, Will. I, I think the biggest misunderstanding is probably that we do more than just noise. Uh, I know we'll cover that in another minute with minute. So for now, I'm going to major specifically on the noise feature itself. Many people think that we can let you know when there's noise in your unit. And that's the end. But what we can actually do uh, with our pro account is import the data for your guests when they're staying, what's their phone number, et cetera, and then allow you to automate communication with that guest when there's a noise event. So what we hear from many of our users is after sending even one text message to the guest, letting them know that there's noise, they tend to quiet down because they don't realize that they're being noisy. So in many cases, if you use our automation, you may actually resolve the problem with no input from yourself. Just an automated message from the system, asking them to quiet down, and then the noise issue is over. I love it. You heard it here first, folks. A minute with minute, and now back to the episode. All right, Adam Wright. Right. Here we are. Welcome. Do you do welcome a cold back. open? You do a cold I, open? I, I used to. I Now, I used to be like, hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. But with you, it's like, we're back to square one, 2018. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Adam Knight, my man. Good to see you. 2018 that was a long time ago i know that's not like that's nuts to think before. everything that we've gone through and like how many years is that five years now six years yeah. almost it's crazy yeah it's nuts so let me maybe give some context for any of the listeners right now 
We are business partners. Adam Knight is my co-founder, my partner, the CEO of Recreation Rentals. And he was actually my first industry guest on Slick Talk way back in the day, like 2018. I remember being a hotel manager, living in this like tiny apartment in Seaside, Oregon, and getting an email from this guy named Adam Knight, 25-year hospitality veteran. And I was like, what does this guy want to do with me and my show that I just started and like don't even know what the hell I'm doing? And there was an episode that you talked about. You're like, it was back to the basics, I think is what the title was. And it was talking about the basics of hospitality and leadership and like taking control away from the OTAs and not depending on them. And it was kind of like a weird hotel conversation that I was just kind of like word vomiting on this podcast by myself. And I thought it was a scam. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Like I was like, this guy's got 25 years above me. I, why would, what? How does yeah. he know about the show? And why would he want to be with, like, talk to me? Long story short, we did three episodes after that. We did like a little mm -hmm. series. And that was one of the most pivotable moments for the show, to be honest. That's because awesome. that's when it like really took off. I should go back and listen to those episodes and see if I still agree with what I said five years ago. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's brutal to listen with the bad sound quality and everything because we were just like doing it, I think, on our phones or yeah. something like that. I think I might have even been walking. I was living in San Francisco at the time. I may have been walking around <laughs> on the, the white like yeah. iPhone mic thing. Yeah, you were at the time and frankly still are in the grand scheme of things. At the time, there was almost no hospitality content out there. And that's still true today. Really? There are shows. There are more yeah. shows yeah. today than there were back then, unquestionably. But 100%. there's still not a lot of hospitality content out there, given how large the industry is and how many different facets of hospitality there are, whether it's short-term rental, hotels, yeah. just general travel and leisure, tourism, food and beverage. You can dissect each one of those into their own little niche. Like There's not a lot of content out there. My kudos to you for keeping this going and growing what you're doing and just reaching a broader audience because it's phenomenal. What you do is really important. One, appreciate you for saying that. Two... It's just, it is crazy to see like five years ago, there was my show, Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcasts, and no vacancy for hospitality in general. Now there's, you know, you have your show, Proven Principles, you know, shout out to Michael Teen Singer and Sean DeVrice and a few others who are still going, like the core crew of Hospitality Mavericks and Principles of Hospitality, or which was Open Pantry at the time. And it's just crazy to see the evolution. And then you and I, Years later, especially right in the beginning of COVID, not only reconnected, but we were still pretty frequently in contact. Like you started your show, so you and I would banter back and forth on content. But then I got exposed to short-term rentals a little bit more and had my own like management company before you and I partnered up. And you had, I remember getting the text from you being like, what is this whole short-term rental thing that you're all always talking about? I, I want I want to know more. And I remember like the next day you and I hopped on a call and mm -hmm. talked about because you transitioned from your job due to COVID and 25 years in the hotel world, seeing that that cycle go through from where you started to where you are today. And for any listeners, I'll link in the show notes. Check out the episode that Adam and I did going into his story more in depth back in the day. But I kind of want to pick your brain. We started this brand together in the middle of COVID, maybe not even the middle, the beginning. Day at the beginning we're like still locked down people were doing two weeks and flat the curve flat the curve for two weeks and you and i were on the phone and zoom calls just building this idea of what recreation is and i just maybe want to open up the question of like 
coming from the hotel world, is this what you expected it would be? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to answer that. I kind of stumble a little bit because I'm not totally, I don't think I even have a real sense in my own head about whether or not this is how I wanted it to be. <laughs> and I say that because, yeah, 25 years in hotels, I had worked my way up. I started as a pot washer and I ended yeah. my, my hotel career as a VP of operations. So did everything all the way up the chain. And I lost my job because we all got laid off at the start of the pandemic. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do at the time. And you said, flatten the curve, blah, blah, blah. Like travel had been decimated. There was no, nobody yeah. had any idea what was going to happen. It seems silly looking back at it in that level of kind of like retrospect how it was because it's it feels so fresh still. But in any event, I having been in, and I'm going to get to your question here, but I want to get yeah. some context. Having been in the industry for so long, I had seen the pain points of where hotel property owners and management companies butt heads. And as the economic conditions in the country worsened because of COVID, there were a lot of owners that were hurting and a lot of management companies that were not bending and evolving as a result of that. So I had come up with, and I still think it's a viable option, a profit-based management contract, whereas other hotel management contracts are revenue. So mm -hmm. when you're profit-based, you have more skin in the game. That evolved over a lot of conversations with you about what's this short-term rental thing happening here. And over those conversations, I had found a lot of commonality between what you do in the hotel world and what you do in short-term rentals. You still have to provide yeah. A clean place. You got to have great guest communication. You got to create a great experience. Those are all table stakes. Like if you're not doing those basic things, then don't even try. Like don't even try. Yeah, don't even try. And if you don't care to do those things either, yeah. don't even try. But let's get into the difference between the real estate investment mindset versus the hospitality mindset because I think that's an important point we should touch on. Yes. But yeah. my point in just saying all of this is like one of those parallels in our conversations that came up was short-term rental management companies were acting and still do like the hotel management companies of old. It's just about how much supply can I wrap my arms around? Because in my, in people's mind, not my mind, like the figurative we mind, more properties means more revenue, means more money. And that's not necessarily the case. And where there's a big disconnect is we already established that having a great guest experience is table stakes. But what a lot of people miss is a great owner experience. And that's one of the problems that I saw in the hotel industry, having lived and worked in it forever. So as we were establishing recreation, one of the pillars that really I couldn't get away from and actually became a pillar of the company, now we operate, is that owners get as good or even better experience working with us than the guests do. We still mm. provide an unbelievable guest experience. And we can talk about the details of that. But yeah. owners are one of our major stakeholders that we make sure get taken care of. And roundabout way of answering your question, like, how has it really come together here? And do I think it's the same, different? Yeah. Like those fundamentals are still the same. Mm -hmm. You got to taking care of your owners, taking care of your staff, taking care of your guests is important, but it's the pain points that exist in one industry are very similar pain points that exist in the other. I agree. And the thing is, this is maybe a, a deep theological type conversation than we normally probably have. But everyone goes, the hotel industry, the short-term rental industry. My mindset is it's the hospitality industry. We're all part of this bigger conglomerate. We're just doing different but similar thing. Experience is key for food and beverage. Experience is key for hotels. Experience is key for short-term rentals. The difference is that we're different segments and different categories for different types of events. I don't stay in a hotel when I'm in a destination for a week. 
I just don't. I don't want to be crammed in a room or I don't have a kitchen or the ability to go buy groceries or have like Instacart delivered or that type of stuff. I don't stay in a short-term rental when I'm going to Miami for two days because why? That makes no sense. I just need a bed, a shower, and maybe a place to like put leftover food and have coffee. Like that's very different use cases. And when it comes to the connection of hotels, because you and I were both, I was a hotel manager, you were a VP of ops, so you're way up in the chain. But my problem on the property level was my key cards keep breaking. There's a huge line at this desk or the locks aren't working, which again, you can't say the locks are perfect in short-term rentals, but the magnetic key is a big issue in the hotel space. So seeing those problems and being able to be remote and have that ability to not be behind a front desk all day. When I saw that on the short-term rental space, I was like, this is every hotel should adopt this. Like every hotel, get rid of the front desk, keep a concierge or two, but get rid of this type of world where you're creating opportunity for problems. And, and that's I, where I think you and I like, sorry to not, not to cut you off, but like, that's where you and I really connected with the ownership part, with the standardization plus, right? Like we can go into the recreation mission and vision, but yeah, that's where I think we're like, wow, light bulb. That was heresy three mm -hmm. to five years ago to talk about what mm -hmm. get rid of the front desk. No, our guests need mm -hmm. somewhere to go and check in and somebody to talk to yeah. check in on their phone. No, that, nobody's going to want to do that. There's no way. And how are we going to make sure that the guests are having a consistent experience? This is yeah. in the hotel world. Yeah. And it was only the, it was literally the economic conditions that forced that to happen because hotels cut their staff to the point where there wouldn't, there was nobody left to really interact with the guests. <laughs> so you had, you were forced to come up with options for them to be much more self-directed in their experience yeah. on site. The short-term <laughs> rental industry is built on decentralization for mm -hmm. the most part. It's in and we built recreation that way. We intended to build it where there was no, it, there was, this is good and bad, but there's no efficiencies of having everything in one building, mm -hmm. which is great because we don't have high overhead, which is bad or, because, which is bad because every time something happens, it's a little bit of a fire drill to get it fixed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's like, cause, cause we're not in one destination either. So it's yeah. not like we have a headquarter seattle office where cleaners and vans and maintenance people all pull in and out of and do that like we're very decentralized i think for a reason and like you said a good plus and minuses for both but at the end of the day i think not only the economic uncertainty during the beginning like 2020 phase of our vision but no one wanted to be even if they had one staff at a hotel no one when they were traveling wanted to be in the space of a complete mixing pot of strangers and cultures and germs and the self-awareness of cleanliness became super high priority. I want, I'm teeing this up for a question for you because I'm curious to hear your perspective. If COVID didn't happen, if we live 2020 the same way we were living 2019, let's just say that, do you think short-term rentals would have skyrocketed the way they did? And do you think at the end of the day, you and I would have still been like, Hey, Let's form recreation rentals. The second part to your question is probably not because, and I had, I had been flirting with entrepreneurship for a long time, but walking away from a steady paycheck, a lot of people, and I applaud Mike Shogren, like he's an 
unbelievable yeah. the content that he puts out talking about this, like find your freedom number and how do you get there yeah. and build your business, but keep your, like, don't make your side gig your thing until you're really in a good place. And so maybe I was too quick to answer. Recreation might've happened, but wouldn't have happened in 2020. And mm. walking away from that stability would have been very rough. Hard. Recreation <laughs> happened because I had nothing else to do. Did, would short-term rentals have skyrocketed the way that they did? Interesting question. Like I, we bought a house in 2020 and we live in Seattle. So it's not a really very good metric to gauge against the rest of the country because <laughs> real estate prices are so high. But like at yeah. the time before COVID even happened, real estate was running up mm. and it ran up way more as COVID kicked off. Yeah. So would that have like, people were already getting priced out of the market. It was already too difficult to find a house and you could probably, people much smarter than me could argue like, well, if you look at the rate of sales during COVID versus pre-COVID, like I'm not going to, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's not that type of podcast. We're not here to go into numbers. And, <laughs> yeah. And definitely not a math yeah. podcast. <laughs> I probably would have just taken a much slower, more methodical ramp up than it just going like hyperbolic. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I think it was on the verge of a big boom anyways, but I think COVID just amplified that and accelerated the five years it would have taken down to two. That's my approach. I think I would like to think from my perspective. So, I, so for all the listeners, you may have heard, like if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you probably remember this day where I was like, I quit my hotel job. I started up this management company. Da, 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 da. And obviously I'm not with that management company anymore. Me and those partners split ways. And for good reason, still much love and respect, but wasn't a good fit after we got into the nitty gritty. And the thing with us, I think even without COVID, I think I would have never started recreation by myself. I would have wanted to have you or someone like Adam Knight to partner with because we all have strengths and weaknesses. And I think I definitely know where mine are. I'm not an operator at heart as much as I love to, especially now in Hospitality FM and whatnot, I'm very much SOP and standards and processes and resources and building all this type of material, but you know, I'm not naturally that type of person. I'm a visionary at heart. And for you, I see you're very hybrid. I'm curious, what do you think? And I know we've talked about it like via text and maybe a phone call or two. Let's say we did end up doing this without COVID happening. Do you think you're more of like the visionary type or do you feel like you're the person who wants to build the roadmap and just execute and start doing like the operator, the executioner or anything like that? Because I've seen you, you and I can both do both, but I want to see maybe where you're dominant. In. Yeah. I'm kind of a taskmaster. Taskmaster. I'm, I am. And that I, I love the gratification of checking things off a list. Yeah. And you know that in the luxury hotel world, like that's all, like, you're just basically like getting things done all the time. And so that I yeah. think I've just was conditioned over time to be that way, but I love the ideation and the visionary process of trying to figure out what is a brand going to be. Now it's not a natural strength of mine, like it is for you. So it probably takes me a lot longer to get to a very obvious place for rather than somebody who's naturally gifted in that way can just get there really quickly. But I love the process of getting there. And I think that's probably speaks to the taskmaster part in my brain. We're like yeah. the process of getting there. Yeah. But I'll tell you what though, like in starting this company, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this too. There's so much more that you've got to do when you have your own business that number one, I didn't know. 
And number two, like I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I have an idea of what I don't know about. There's still a lot that I don't know that I need to know, but it's been the hardest thing has been figuring out where do I put my attention and where do I get help to deal with that thing? And when you're a bootstrap company, that's even harder because you really are like splitting dollars. You're like, okay, I've got like whatever, how many hundreds of dollars a month I can spend on X and Y is a priority. So how do I bridge that? Yeah, no, hundred percent. And yeah, there's so much I didn't expect. I didn't know. I still don't know. You are the, so we, and maybe giving more context here for listeners, we are both full-time partners leading up into March of last year. And I was in Mexico. I think you and I both had that heart-to-heart conversation like, hey, I'm very day-to-day involved with HFM. I'm not able to do as much of the operational work that we, you and I, I divvied up in the beginning, which made sense because we're both just like, I didn't start HFM until 2021 anyways. So you and I were very much like, hey, let's just tackle this. And I've seen the amount of work and the taskmaster in you really pop out as you've taken like the CEO role. And now I've stepped down and just more of like, a, like, I don't know what you really call it, but more of a brand visionary. Like, how do we focus mm-hmm. on guest experience? How do we focus on, you know, providing operations that impact that? And like you said, the owner piece, very minimal, but still to what we're doing today. I guess more of a, I didn't expect a lot of stuff with how hard, like people make it sound easy when you're starting a management company and not that it's hard and impossible, but it just takes a lot longer than I think most people portray it. Like we're two years in and we're at 10 properties. Most people that online, especially in our world, the influencer side or whatever, they're I've been doing this for 60 days and I'm at 20 homes or whatever. It's like, what? We've been doing this for two years. We're at 10 and we've had some churn. We've gotten, we've cut some fat. We've had some deals, right? About to say then, and then blow up or walk away or whatever. So like, I'm just, it's very hard. It's not a easy business, especially when you care. I think the big difference and sorry to drag this out, but the Mm. big difference for you and me, I think we really care. I think we put the recreation brand above everything, not Mm. above everything, but above like just accepting willy nilly. We are very careful on that type of one. How do we look online? How does it impact our operations? How does it impact our vision, our brand? What do we want to represent? How do we're really building out more of a hospitality brand than we are a property Mm -hmm. management company? So I don't know. I think it's just it's different because I think you and I care about the hospitality piece more than we care about portfolio size and everything like that. Yeah. No, you bring up a really great point. Like we probably could have been, I don't know, at least two times bigger, maybe three times bigger if we weren't so methodical. And I might say like maybe rigid in the application of what recreation is about and how that's presented to the world and what are the type of homes that we want to, and frankly, what kind of owners do we want to work with that align with what we're trying to do? It's, I think we probably could have gone out and taken any home and charged a very low management fee and just scaled really quickly and had a terrible back end and not a very solid operation that can really execute a great experience time and time again, repeatedly with very little effort. And yeah, we would have been in a different place, but like 
that's not what we're trying to do. If you, yeah. my vision and our vision for recreation is that we do want to scale this. And I remember saying early on, like we want to be the Marriott of short-term rentals. And that, yeah, I, I, re- I remember when I said that to someone, then they were like, what? You, <laughs> what? Asp- they're like, aspire for more or something. I can't remember how they said it, but basically it was like, the Marriott experience isn't great. The point in my saying that is that there are very large management companies in the hotel world out there that that are really great at what they do. Yeah. And I want recreation to be the same thing. We're going to execute at a higher level and we're going to have a very definable and predictable experience in our properties. Yeah. And you, I think you have to when you're having when you're building a brand. But yeah, we and actually this just brought something to mind here. And maybe we can talk about this for a second. Like we initially were focused just on Washington. Yeah. And then we weren't getting a lot of traction on Washington. We were like a little bit, but we like weren't getting in the early days of the traction that we wanted. We had my parents' like two bedroom apartment and then one like a, other like a studio like, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not good. Like, okay. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> it just came to mind like, would we take those properties today if they came to us? Like, I don't know. I know. There's a point in your business where like you got to take just about anything for proof of concept and to work out like your stuff, but then you very quickly evolve into something else. But in any event. And then we were like, oh, we're not getting traction in Washington. Let's focus on the West Coast. And we didn't get a lot yeah. of traction there. So let's focus like Rockies West didn't get a lot of traction. And then we're like, okay, screw it. We're just going to, well, let's just, the entire country. Let's just try. Let's who, go after it. Who wants it? Who wants Who wants us? us? Who wants us? <laughs> and that in hindsight, like, I think we learned a lot through that process. Like we yeah. were hustling to try and find owner information. We were buying lists. We were trying anything and everything to like, send out mailers or to do postcards or paid ads on Facebook, whatever it was. And we, we did pick up a handful of properties around the country. Yeah. But what's really funny is like, as that went on, we ended up picking way more properties up in Washington as we focused on the rest of the country, which was a complete unintended consequence of it. Made no sense but I think me. it made no sense to me, but I think what it was is like, we were just, it helped us refine our message and our SEO got better. Like we were just learning a million things and, and applying sure. a million things all at one time. And now we've, I don't want to say we've contracted back to Washington, but we've contract, we, what it's done is it's allowed us to maybe have a larger scope or larger vision for where we want the company to operate, but it's narrowed our focus in the types of properties that we're going after. So yeah. we're not necessarily geographically constrained. We're much more disciplined in the type of experience that we want to put out there, which kind of brings me to the point about the owners that we work with. I'm, I know you've had a million conversations on the show with different real estate investors and people who look at this industry in certain ways. As we all try to figure out what's going on in the short-term rental space where there's more supply, bookings are down, a lot of really great operators are struggling right now. There's going to be like, the bottom is going to fall out. People like this is going to have to reset yeah. at some point. but this is a hospitality business. And I don't mm-hmm. think that people understand what that means. Real estate investors, that's the big difference between hotels and short-term rentals. Maybe going back to your first question is that yeah. in the hotel world, you've just got like critical mass of people that know what it takes to build a hospitality business. And in this world, that doesn't really exist. You've got the overwhelming majority of people in the short-term rental space have no hospitality experience. They're like, yeah. yeah, I was a server for like a summer somewhere or whatever. It's not the same. No, no, I was 16 learning how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're looking to build financial freedom and you get into rentals and maybe you started with long-term rentals or house hacking something, whatever, 
you cannot cheap out on what the experience is like. And in the management model, a lot of those costs are borne by owners because they buy, in many cases, obviously they're going to buy the furniture, they're going to buy the linen, they're going to outfit the kitchen, they're going to buy the sound system and the TVs and all of the stuff that's going to make the product in the home great. That's a cost that they have. And so when you hit them with, okay, you're just getting into short-term rentals. So, you know, this is what you can expect to make. This is what you've got to buy. This is what we provide as a management company. This is your expected ROI on everything that you have to furnish your home with. And sometimes that ROI is like a couple, a lot of them are like, uh-uh, yeah, not for me. I'm going to just throw it up on Craigslist or Zillow and just get a long-term rental and I'm out. It's, this isn't for everyone. And that includes property owners. All right, Slick Talkers. Now for another dynamic sponsored duo of the podcast. I would love to introduce you to Vintory and Safely. About Vintory, we've had Brooke Fotts on the podcast, who is a founder, multiple times, and him and his team know numbers. They know data and they know marketing. They know how to help property managers just like you scale and grow their business by adding more inventory, aka more homes, into your rental program that drive the bottom line. For all of you listeners that want to learn how to scale and grow your inventory, you can get a free digital copy of Brooke's book called From Zero to 500 Properties in Five Years. And for an added bonus, if you would do a demo of the Vintory platform, you'll get a $50 gift card to Amazon. Now that's a sick deal. And now to touch on our friends at Safely.com. Safely.com helps property managers just like you and I protecting the homes that they manage from structural damage to content damage and of course bodily injury. This means plates, linens, cups, couches, tables, curtains, walls, and of course your guests themselves are protected. And this helps you by scaling your company in order to ensure that you are retaining owners and inventory in your program. If anything is broken or if anyone is hurt, you are able to make a claim through Safely and within three business days you can get instantly paid out to replace any items and settle any claims that happen on site without having to deduct from your owner's payouts. That's why I call these guys the dynamic sponsor duo. And thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Check out their offers in the show notes and back to the episode. It's funny that you say that that point, a big shout out to Natalie Palmer with the no vacancy podcast, because she had like lost her voice basically last week wasn't able to do her podcast and just like text me was like will can you do a guest host episode like you'll be the get like spotlight guest i'm out and do an episode or like round your four or three or five like hospitality lessons that you've like learned and brought into vacation rentals and that was actually one of on her instagram story she goes i had listened to the episode that will did and was like completely blown away because i talked about us providing the linens, the amenities, we recreation buys and controls ownership of that list that we used to give people saying, this is what you need to get for your property to have ROI to be with that. And we got rid of that barrier to entry and said, don't worry about it. We have our own standards. We have our own linen. We have our own everything. We're just going to buy it. And if you leave our program, we take it with us. Like that stuff is ours. We paid for it. And her takeaway on her stories was just like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that because so many people either have started the short-term rental process or sometimes you take over a listing that was already existed and it has its own stuff and owners get attached. Anytime you have money invested in something, there's usually an emotional attachment. 
And I never thought about doing like buying the linen, buying the coffee makers, buying this. And that was a big awakening for her. And hopefully for a lot of other people, because when you are building a hospitality brand rather than a real estate portfolio, which I love that you brought that up, I think you can do both. I think you can have a real estate arm and a hospitality arm, but they need to work together. You can't just start buying shit and expect it to be a good hospitality experience. And you can't just put makeup on a pig and call it a good hospitality experience. Long story short to like say what I wanted to say was just more of controlling the experience by providing that consistency across all of our properties. My goal, and I, I know your goal too, our goal is that if someone stays with us in Florida, they should have a similar, if not the exact same experience with us in Washington. And yes, the properties are different, but they should still have that consistency and quality. And I think when coming back to your point earlier, when we found our home type that we like and that we operate and that we feel we can execute time and time again, I think that was really big and game changing for us with that light bulb moment. We are a hospitality brand, not a property management company, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally. We went through like testing and we have standards for a lot of stuff in our company. We've got a linen standard. And when I say linen standard, like we have a specific brand and thread count that we use, that we know works, that we know where to get it. The price is yep. predictable. It's not on Amazon. Shout you out to you. Shout out, shout out to HostGPO. We've got a standard for kitchenwares. We've got a standard for towels and robes and technology in the home and yeah. internet speed. And like we have really defined everything that the guest touches and interacts with in the home has a standard. Yeah. And that allows us to be consistent in its application. Florida and Washington, to use your example, same thing. But operationally, it's way easier. I don't have to be like, what color are the sheets? Yeah. Well, I yeah. can't get the exact blue that sheet is. So where, what am I going to do? So now I got mismatched blue shaded sheet. No. Yeah. That's no. not, we're not playing with that game because no, I, there's only so many hours in the day and I cannot spend time figuring out what one house has that one house doesn't. It just doesn't yeah. work. No. And the decision paralysis thing, like when you're making all these small decisions that are very different for every property and every destination, you're all of a sudden overwhelmed. Like you said, like you're not wasting you are wasting time if you're doing that in the sense of now you're 90% of your focus is on these little things that shouldn't have to be little things. You can make it really easy. So you spend the other 90 or the 90% that you were doing that on actual operations and growth. And you, you did mention tech and I, want, I wrote it down on my notebook here and I wanted to touch on tech with you because a lot of a sponsors of the podcast, shout out to minute hostfully safely Vintory, love you guys and we use you in recreation but with coming from the hotel world you and i got to experience property management softwares door lock softwares and hardwares restaurant reservation softwares that didn't communicate with the front desk and the back end marsh i don't know if you remember marsha from the marriott days where the booking engine that didn't connect with the pms and looked like the matrix screen all green and coded we had to learn this really old legacy tech first and then coming into building recreation rentals it was so nice and i the question to come around this is it was so nice that we didn't have that big tech hurdle that we knew to get a property management software that had a built-in distribution connections with airbnb verbo booking expedia we knew to get locks and access control noise monitoring because we are remote so minute coming in play to insurance and protecting 
the things that we are buying, the linens, the amenities, the et cetera, and the home itself, all this stuff. We, like we knew coming into it. So for you, I'm curious, did you th think we would have more tech challenges or less tech challenges? We had one tech, like we shout out to Hostfully again, like you got, they, we left Hostfully for a little bit and we tried something new and it was horrible. It was came running back and we came running back. So I'm curious, kind of just your perspective on the tech world from hotel to short-term rental, vacation rental, and your thoughts and experience behind it. Way better in the short-term rental world. There's no doubt. There's a handful of legacy players in the hotel space that they just have a lot of, there's a command and control to have everything wrapped up. And there's some new entrants and new players trying to break in, but like, it's basically a race for second mm. in the hotel space from a property management and that, that side of things. The short-term rental world is really interesting. It's way more open. There's a lot more players. What I've found over time is like it, I used to say that in the STR space, when it came to like a property management system, they all do the same thing. There's basic functions you have to do to be able to yeah, call yourself that. have to. But it really comes down to like how well you like to use the tech. Like, does it just speak to your brain? And I still think that's true. But our experience with the other company that we went to, who if you, if you want to name drop them, go ahead. I won't. I'm good. I'm good. That does make me, that makes me question that logic a little bit. Cause you know, obviously if they were all the same, then we wouldn't have left hostfully in the yeah. first place. And we, yeah. or if we did, we wouldn't have left who we went to. So anyway, that's, I'm rambling a bit, but I am really encouraged that there's a lot of people that play in the sandbox really well together. There's a lot of really cool integration going on between different tech providers out there. It's really rare to find one core piece of software, like a property management system that doesn't integrate with another piece of software that you need to run your business, like yeah. wheelhouse or like Perto or yeah. like, or CRM software or Slack for that matter, or monday.com or whatever. Like they all WhatsApp. just WhatsApp, like they all, yeah. you can really, like, you don't have to log into a million different systems anymore, which I love. Mm. It's, yeah. it's so great. And they all work really well together. By and large. Yeah. No, totally. Agree. I think the downside of this sandbox, I love that analogy you used, but the downfall of it is, and Robin Craig and with Moving Mountains has said this many times on different panels at BRMA and podcasts and stuff like that, but there can be a death by subscription, right? Like we can have so many options now. And I think you and I learned this lesson pretty quick is that we don't need all of this tech. Like there, I think maximizing our technology to its fullest capabilities before even thinking about integrating anything new is the most crucial decision we've ever made from our tech point of view. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can 20 buck yourself to death for sure. 100%. And there's no shortage of companies that want to insert themselves between you and your guest. And I'm always amazed at the ones that find like that little bit of oxygen, like there's just a little tiny bit. little space for them to like sneak in. So yeah, 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 I think you're right. As long as you've got your core needs covered and your core needs are accepting reservations, getting your rate out there, the right price at the right time for the right guest, how do you secure your home? Like, and how do you communicate with people? Like, yeah, that's not even, that's like four and 4.5. Yeah. After that, everything else is superfluous, additional. 100%, totally agree. It's crazy. And that's like the conversation I always love to have on this, this show is more of a, there's, we interview a lot of these founders that I don't use personally, but I'm curious. I want to hear their story. I want to hear about the product. We, the, we've had times where we've had guests on the show or on your show 
and you and I were like, hey, we should probably look in, into this. It's always a good option to also have in the back of your mind. So I think educating, if anyone's a property manager, hospitality brand, short-term rental operator out there, we're not saying tech is bad or to go all in on all this tech and 20 buck yourself to death, but more of like, just know your options, know the tech landscape and how things work, know the difference between a channel manager and a property management software. In my opinion, and I'm sure you're probably in the same boat, I could not believe that we had to have a property management software and a channel manager in the hotel world. I was like, why can't, like, why, why can't the property manager just software just take that? Mm -hmm. It's not like, yes, there's connectivity issues and APIs and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, come on, like these are big tech companies. You, you can, you could easily connect to Airbnb. And we obviously like Hostfully is a premier partner and Verbo and all that stuff's like integrated. We don't need yeah. to, there's no need to add a third person to a third person to a third person between the guests, us and the home. And yeah. Way so, too many failure points, way too many failure yeah. points on that chain. And that was one of the reasons why we left the company that we yeah. were with to go back to Hostfully. Yeah. And the hotel world though, I just, I get flashbacks of being a front desk at 7am. I walk in, I barely had a sip of coffee and being able to be like, oh, this guest shows up to check in early. Great. We can do that if we have rooms, but we can't find the reservation. Why? Because it didn't sync from the channel because of some little bug on booking.com and this company's bull crap happening in between. It was nuts. The amount of times that was a daily occurrence. I was so scared to go into work some days. Like guest is not going to have a room today. Like, like who's not, yep. gonna, who's vacation am I going to ruin because tech couldn't communicate well and they're a billion, million dollar companies and I'm just sitting here making $3,000 a month. And everyone's doing this. Yeah. Everyone's doing this guy. Yeah. It's his problem. Yeah. It's his fault. Yeah, exactly. So it was, that was a, a nice thing. It's like with us knowing that the reservations come in, they're synced, we see them. It's not like a manual process. And anyways, yeah. No, it's good. It's been really seamless. It's been from an office perspective, it's been a lot easier, but you've got to be disciplined in yeah. at the same time. And I've been guilty of this and we've been guilty of this, like something kind of doesn't work the way we expected it to, or that we wanted it yeah. to. And so we're like, let's change. We're out. We're going to go try something else. Like we did that a little bit, but constantly changing software is like, it does not make for a sound operation. You just got to like, just optimize it for what you're doing. And then figure out workarounds or be, maybe it's little, your training, little yeah. tweaks, right? Yeah. Change your process so that it fits in better with the tool that you're using. Yeah. But yeah, no, tech is much more pleasant to work with. Here. For sure. And outside example, my thing is like for Hospitality FM, we use Asana as our project task manager software connected with Slack and Google. I recently... CEO visionary me is like, all right, let's just fucking, let's just do it. Let's go. Let's grab all these things. Let's do all these shows. Let's do this. And it was great. But then like operationally, I'm like, all right, where are we at with this onboarding? Where are we at with this? Where are we at? Like, when's this contract up and who's, and then I was just like, oh my God, I have, we've, we have been using 1% of Asana. So I like spent a whole weekend and became an Asana ambassador and went through their academy and training. And like, now we're able to like implement all these templates and create these processes and systems and resource hubs. And now it's like, oh, we can breathe. We, we like, see oh, it. Oh, this we, is actually we, a pretty good program. <laughs> exactly. Like I wish I like, because I, I was about to be like, why am I paying 200, 300 bucks for this crap? And it's not even doing its thing. And then now I'm like, oh, now we're getting our $300 worth of value. And I think mm -hmm. to apply that to short-term rental operators is finding ways to educate. Uh, you and I had a, a big benefit coming into this of, 
we've experienced the hotel hospitality tech before. We got we went through that crap in our early days of being like, oh, what is a property management software and why do I need to do this? And to now like, okay, when we came into it, we had a very much a leg up. But yeah, not to beat out this you know this point in conversation too much longer. But I am curious, Adam, from your perspective, we you and I before we hit record talked about air bust. Not a topic or a title I like. I don't think it's a bust personally, but there are a bunch of new factors. We're in a new landscape. We're in a new environment. And I think the conversation we've been having is going to apply. It is, we are seeing, in my perspective, we are seeing guests turn away from platforms like Airbnb, Verbo, et cetera, because of the lack of consistency on the property side. They book an apartment, downtown Denver, then they go to a destination market, Steamboat Springs in in Colorado here and get a completely different experience with one that's super professional or one that's super not. And I think a lot of guests are getting turned off by that, like having that anxiety of before I go on this vacation or this work trip, am I going to see consistency? Is it going to be clean? Last place I was at was clean. The place before that, the sofa was all messed up and the coffee pot had grounds in it. And there was hair all over the shower, like stuff like that. And I'm curious to know your, your thoughts, like what, where do you see the landscape today and how can anyone like listening, take one piece of nugget from this conversation and just like have this understanding of what to do with their business and how to like really core in focus because the recreation vision and mission is so strong. I think it drives our everyday decisions that we make within the business. So I would love to know maybe your perspective on anything like that. This is something I think a lot about. I think I literally every day I, yeah. I'm trying to solve this puzzle. And for contact in the hotel world, for what, how long has Expedia been around? Like 15 years mm -hmm. in there, you know, where they've had like serious market share. Every, there's a lot of smart people trying to figure out how to take share away from the OTAs in the hotel world. Yeah. And they can't figure it out. So it's no wonder that a junior industry like short term rentals is suffering from the same problems that a much more mature industry like the hotel space is. When one of the, like, isn't it the goal of any brand to become a verb? There's not a lot of them, right? Yeah. But Airbnb has done it. They have Mindshare. That's where most people go. And even if their intent is to go to Verbo or one of some other site, because I mean, there are some other smaller players, yeah. they may even refer to going to Verbo as I'm going to, I'm going to stay at an Airbnb, but they booked it on Verbo. Right? Yeah. 100%. We see uh, it every day. Every day. I guess I'm just saying that because I don't know what the answer is. All I know, all I can say is like what we're trying to do to figure it out. And mm -hmm. Airbnb makes up about 90% of our bookings. And that is terrible. And we have a, and we have a book direct strategy. We are mm -hmm. literally trying for book direct and we are still getting 90%, which is we're still getting me. 90%. And I really want to bring that down. And I want that to be a, a combination of Verbo bookings, a combination of maybe some furnished finder bookings and yeah. a third to a half of our bookings in the future. I would love if they were direct bookings. I'll take 20 to 25% right now, mm -hmm. but we're just not anywhere. We're not even in the parking lot of that ballpark. So what we're doing to try and figure that out is a few things like Airbnb, Airbnb, maybe I'll talk about the Airbnb bust for a second. Airbnb yeah. bust. We have a very well built out listings, professional photography. We fill in every single box on a listing. 
We've got captions on all of our photos. We literally, like if you watch any guru that tells you how to optimize a listing, we've done it and mm -hmm. we continue to do it. Not every day, but like I would say once a week, something on all of our listings is tweaked. Yeah. And not price, just something is tweaked. We rearrange the photos. We slightly alter a title. We add or take away something based on character count. Like we, yeah, we're trying something. Amenities, yeah. something. And then on top of that price, we're, we don't necessarily want to have a race to the bottom, but like you've got to understand mm -hmm. what's going on in your market. So like we're, I'm personally in wheelhouse every day, deep diving on data, trying to figure out what the right price is. Cause you can't just, that's the other thing too. A misnomer is like, oh, I'm just going to get wheelhouse or price labs. And I'm just going to set it up and be done with it. It doesn't work that way. You got to no. get in there and like, you literally got to be pretty granular on, on every day on your calendar over and above the settings that you set. So I'm in there all the time. and we have seen a pretty dramatic drop in bookings through mm -hmm. the first quarter of this year. It's starting to pick up again. And we're in multiple markets and we're in, mu in multiple seasonal markets. So yeah. that's also a little concerning. It make, and, but it also, I think, gives us a little bit of perspective on well, that's not just a Washington problem. That's also a Kissimmee problem. That's a Pocono Mountain problem. Like it's national. And so it makes me walk, ask the question, like, is there something larger going on or is there a problem with how we're approaching our listings. And the fact that 90% of our bookings come from Airbnb, that's why this is so terrifying because any little change that they do to their algorithm or any little drop in how they present your home based off of some way that they want people to interact with listings or however they I don't pretend to know, they are business drops. And if we can't develop a strategy to counteract that, we're dead in the water, just like a lot of other people. So I think that this is the thing that people are referring to when they talk about an Airbnb bust yeah, is just that you've got Airbnb has an outsized influence on your business. You got to figure out how to negate that a little bit. So we're starting, so we have our direct booking website, recreationstays.com. You can book a stay there and it's cheaper to do that. To book direct mm -hmm. is always cheaper. We've started to play around with StayFi. Yeah. in our properties. We don't have it deployed them in all of our properties because quite frankly, it's just a big capital expense. It's just a lot Capital of Capital and logistics being yep. in multiple markets. That's something we brought up earlier in the episode. It's not ideal for a lot of people, but for us, it, we like being in multiple markets. We like having the spread out, democratize segmentation of our properties. So yeah. You know. It's for those that don't know what StayFi is, it effectively, yeah. they just put us, what do they call it? A, a captive portal splash page on top of your Wi-Fi at your home where the guest has to enter their, um, their email address. And then you've captured the guest information and then you can actively market to your guests going forward. That's what email marketing is all about. So we're starting to be way more serious about that because we haven't been. And we just hired on a contract basis, a social media manager for our company. And in my conversations with her about how do we get more, not just direct bookings, we're, we also have two audiences and we haven't talked about this yet. We have our yeah. guests and we have our owner and we have been guilty. I don't think we've deployed properly our, who are we talking to when mm -hmm. we're selling our services? Are we talking to guests who are staying with us? Or are we talking to homeowners to sign contracts with us? And through my talk with her, like literally last week, what became very obvious was that splitting our message has been detrimental to our success. Mm -hmm. We're, we need to be much more focused on explaining who we are to the guests, why you should book with us, why you should stay with us, what you get, what's the value proposition for staying with us. And in turn, when owners see that content, they're like, that's cool. I want them to run my house. 
Yeah. So that's how we're starting to approach this thing here. So we're going to get much more serious about what we're all about in our B2C side of the business. And over two to three years, hopefully we'll develop a strong enough foundation to be really successful in taking share away from Airbnb, their outsized mm-hmm. influence on our business. But we'll see how that shakes out. Because trust you, I, I know you, I know we got to wrap. Airbnb knows this, that everybody yeah. wants to move away from them. And so they're just going to try to find ways to move the fence a little bit, but to still keep you penned in. So yeah. it's a cat and mouse. I'm glad that you said that on the messaging, splitting it, we should focus on the guests, let the owners see that and let them immediately have that connection. I was already thinking that. And then when you said it, I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And my thing around this, and maybe this is this whole episode, we've been talking about building a hospitality brand rather than a property management company. Maybe what I've seen with Airbnb recently, not that I want them to continue to be 90% of our revenue, but in order to play the game and build a hospitality brand and build out our channels and the focus on unique stays, the focus on unique designs, the focus on all these experiential, visual, Instagrammable things that Airbnb is really pushing with their algorithm actually can be a downfall for companies like us who may not have the most beautifully, like aesthetically designed mural painted home, but we provide a killer experience Our, from leaving that other company that was doing our tech and guest service stuff. Our scores have jumped significantly, almost like a 50% jump in just a matter of 30 days to the point where people are mentioning recreation by name in their re- reviews rather than this was a great Airbnb. They're saying recreation rentals was an awesome experience for us, blah, blah, blah. Like we're seeing this happen. That So that brand voice is being shared on the guest perspective, but I think Airbnb being the giant that they are, they're going to focus on the unique stay and experience slash design. And that could hurt companies like us that aren't going to be like, there's a, I'm trying to say there's two sides to each coin. And I know people that make the most beautifully designed mural painted Mm -hmm. and like and drenching like a type of a property experience, but their operations are suck. Their tech sucks. Their Mm -hmm. communication sucks. Everything sucks. It looks great, but it sucks. That's, I'm sorry to say it, but for us, we may not look this like glamour painted type property, but we have great homes that are well-designed. They have owners have put tons of money into them. And then we also have the back end that doesn't make it suck. So it's just crazy to see that Airbnb is going to favor beautiful, but sucky rather than yeah, nice home, three to four bedrooms, modern great operations. That's a hundred percent. I agree with you. And I, I do think about how Airbnb used to operate where there was the, there were Airbnb plus listings and then there was Airbnb Lux and they started to try to categorize properties based off of a different criteria other than how it looks the cool, other than the cool factor. And I don't know why they got away from it because that's as a consumer one of the fundamental problems with Airbnb, you nailed it earlier when you said you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. In the hotel world, you generally know what you're getting when you're going to a brand. Like, yeah. yeah, sure. Like the Westin in one city might be worse than the Westin in another, but like it, you still know what you're getting. It's still, mm-hmm. it's that's more about operational effectiveness on the ground at that bad hotel, but you still yeah. know the brand is still the brand. And Airbnb doesn't have that. And so the, and the consumer isn't, very well educated through the process of staying at an Airbnb other than trial and error in what to look for. 
And when everybody has professional photography, how do you, so you make, to your point, make a place look great. How do you communicate the operational effectiveness that's going to actually make the elements of your stay that matter come to the forefront? And that ends up being the value prop that guests book on rather than the cool mm -hmm. factor. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, again, I don't have an answer to that other than we just need to be really consistent in how we communicate what we're providing. And that includes even in our listings, like having a little blurb, like as you're booking to, be, to introduce ourselves, we're like, Hey, this is, we're recreation. This is what we stand for. This is what you're going to get when you stay with us. A lot of people don't do that. Most people on Airbnb don't do that. So it's just, it, unfortunately, I think we're just in this trial and error period, but it's got a, there has to be a change. 100%. And maybe this new social media manager of ours can help us create funny content and that's relatable. Like, Hey, are you tired of inconsistent stays when you should travel in a short-term rental? Guess what? We're recreation rentals and that won't happen here. Like, I don't know. Maybe like maybe we just need to go big on relatable content and messaging and stop playing this. Every Instagram post has a link in bio to get 20% off or like these simple, not that we're doing that, but something I see very often. And I big shout out to Lauren Madwell with Bellum's Cabin Rentals. They have gotten so creative with their TikToks and their Instagrams and their messaging that people, they are driving, yeah, they're driving such a, they have the consistency, they have a brand. They have all this other stuff. They have the operational perks that we talk about in this episode and that we have too, but they're just getting out of that shell of here's a property, get 20% off, use this code, use this link. It's they're making something that anybody and everybody, whether they stay with you or not, can like the content. And I think maybe that's a direction everyone takes, not just us, but like every host, property manager, hospitality brand approaches with this new age of content and social media and the way we consume. So yeah, it's just a totally, thought. Totally. I'll share this with Kelly for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> you're right. Yep. Homework for you. I love it. Yeah. Adam, I know we're a little over normal time, but I would love to, any final thoughts for listeners today? I would love to do this again, by the way. I don't know about yeah. you. This is a fun, like you and I don't do this enough, I think. And I think Maybe the listeners, if you guys want to shoot us a message on LinkedIn or Instagram or email saying like, you'd like this episode and we should do more of it, that'd be encouraging. But I would love to hear Adam, any kind of wrap up conclusions for you um, yeah. in regard to everything we've talked about today. Super, super fun. Thanks for having me on to talk about this. We've talked a little bit about doing like building the brand content. Yeah, We've just, things have gotten in the way. So this was a lot of fun. I think my only takeaway from this conversation, or maybe what I want to just end on is if you want to get into this space as a, an operator, you're, you have to understand that you're starting a hospitality business and it's very different than a real estate investment and real estate investment is important and it has to cash flow. I get that, yeah. but it's going to take a little bit of money to make a little bit of more money and your ROI might be a little stretched out from what your template that you've found on Google to tell you if this is a good investment or not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is telling you is a good investment. One of the best hotel general managers that I ever worked with, I'll end on this. One of the best hotel GMs I ever worked with was in Washington, DC. And I remember many conversations between him and the owners of the hotel about profitability. And he said, I will not run your most profitable hotel in your portfolio, but I will run the best hotel in your portfolio. And that hotel ranked number one in guest satisfaction for the entire company 
multiple years in a row when he was there and ended up winning top hotel in the brand when he was there. And that is the perspective that I've tried to come to the table with for recreation that we talk about all the time. Is it providing a great experience for people costs a little bit more money up front, but it's going to pay dividends for you down the road. 100%. I bet, I bet that actually made them probably one of the most profitable hotels in the portfolio too. It did. So, it, did. Wow. it did. And then in tough times, people stayed. It was easier to drive more direct bookings. There was much more guest loyalty to the hotel. The employees were happy. Like there were, there were a lot of pluses here. But if yeah. you're just looking at cell B35 on your spreadsheet, if that was your only context for it, then mm -hmm. you're missing out. Yeah. I love that. Such a great note to end on. So any of you slick talkers out there, if you like this episode, let us know. Because I know Adam and I would love to, I'm sure we could break out many subtopics to do deep dives into and to highlight for anyone. This isn't the typical slick talk program, but I like it. And the whole point of doing this podcast is to do something that's fulfilling for not only me, but the guests and for the listeners. So love to have you guys perspective, but Adam, my man, it's so good to just chop it up with you outside of like making decisions about recreation rentals and taking a high level industry view. So I hope we get to do this again. And for anyone who wants to maybe not have listened to your episode where you and I chatted, but wants to connect, where can they go? You can find me in a few different places. I'm always pretty active on LinkedIn, Adam Knight on LinkedIn, Instagram at Adam Knight and Instagram for recreation rentals at recreation rentals. I love it. We'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes. And my friend, I'll see you next week when we have our normal business meeting. <laughs> our ops meeting. Yeah. Thanks so yeah. much. Well, this was awesome. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.